Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome back to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. And we've got uh, my good friend Dean Snell from Snell Golf uh, is with us right now talking about some of the the issues that a company like Snell Golf has been facing. And um, just to getting their product that's already made, getting it to them. And then, of course, they've got to turn around and ship it out to people like you and me who use their products. <clears throat> when when you look at, and we covered this before, Dean, when you were on the show, but it's been a while. When you're looking at development of a product, and I know you've got stages and that type of thing, but what makes you, what gives you the impetus, the idea to say, I want to take a product and make it like this? right here you know is it is it more dimples is it a softer core is it a harder core i mean you've got a great line as it is but how do you how do you come to the conclusion that this is something you want to do so when i was at TaylorMade, the i I was very fortunate to be able to have all the best players in the world all the tour players at you know at, at a phone call or a text away um, I would go see them on tour several times a year. Their feedback is is very, very valuable in our in R and D side, which we really focused on developing golf balls for the best players in the world. And and you know, tweaking a little wedge shot or a chip shot from 30 yards on controlling the height or how much it bounced on the little check and, and roll. Um, that's what the, that's what they would look at. You know, trying to keep a four iron in the air and make it stay in the air a little bit longer when golf ball started spinning a little too low for them, and they would knuckle and fall out of the sky. So they would give us specific feedback that would allow us to go design from basically the tee to the green, mm-hmm. um, working with working with twenty five tour players, getting twenty five different feedback sides where it was was enough. You know, sometimes too much because those guys can have a tendency to be very picky and. Everybody wants a ball for themselves. In all honesty, you could probably make a tour ball for every tour player. Yeah. Specifically what they want, you know, and then have no market and wouldn't be able to sell any. But but from my business today, I use my consumers for that. So we have a we have a forum. We have I'm involved in a lot of different golf site forums. I read uh, the feedback. We we do a lot of uh, player testing when things go out to some key customers, um, and they they send back surveys to us. So I, I keep a piece of paper and. I have what we make today and then I put feedback on it and I put down the pros and the cons. Excuse me. So if someone has something to say about something that I like this, but this could be better, this could be better. Yeah. And when, when you take a box and the box starts to fill up with the same comments, to me, that's a voice of the customer 
And that's what I use to say, okay, let me go work on that area where we're getting the most feedback from our consumers that play the ball and what they're looking for us to do. Um, tweaking similar to what we did with the tour players, but now it's the, the consumer that's, you know, that, that your customer is playing the ball. You know, we talked about the, the, the rounds and the, this, and for the most part, I think golf has been doing pretty well overall. Um, I think the, the logistics like you and I talked about are pretty, have, have slowed things down a little bit. But I also think maybe we look at that as something that we use as a, I don't want to say a template where we see the holes and not talking about the golf, the ones in the green. I'm talking about the holes in our industry of things that we should be able to, to patch up or have backup plans. And so, you know, if there's a silver lining from all this COVID crap, maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good point. Typically, my philosophy's always been um, to to if you develop something, to always have a backup to that development side to it. Um, it was easier when it was a big company, and you know, and I had a bunch of R and D physics professor uh, uh, physics majors and um, aerodynamists and engineers and stuff on my team, where I could you know have somebody go out and and search and try to say okay. This is where we get the material from. This is the material. Let's develop a second source or a second backup plan. Sure. Um, you know, it's easy to do that with a big company. You know, a small company ourselves, we, we kind of fall a little bit at the mercy of the manufacturing facility with supply side to it um, and production capacity. So this, for me, it's opened up a couple of things where the supply of material that's used by everybody pretty much and to put everybody in a bind. Like you talked earlier about the shelves being bare. Um, you, you go around here, the, I'm in Massachusetts, which Titleist is about two miles down the road and they don't have, they're not making their um, ionomer Serling cover balls right now. They're using all the Serling they can get to make the Pro V1s and then they're allocating pro shops to, you know, 12 or 24 dozen a month. Yeah. And they're sold out and they're gone. So they're in the same boat, obviously at a much larger scale than I am. But um, so finding alternative solutions when something like this happens is is what we've been working on and doing. And you know, it, we've got some we've got some pretty good things in the works, and we're working on some solutions for capacity as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'm optimistic. I think things will be pretty good. Oh, I think so. I think, you know, we're pretty resilient folks, not just golfers, but Americans in general. And we, we usually, you know, pop around and do that. I was really tickled to see in some of the golf magazines, uh, which I've written for magazines and we call them rags, but <laughs> you know, but I saw that, that finally they were recognizing snow, your snow golf balls in some of their testing and value things and that. In fact, I think I sent you an email on that a couple of years ago and say, Hey, why didn't you get in here? And I sent you the link and I don't know if you had a heart to heart with those guys or what mm -hmm. over there at, at uh, golf and golf digest, but I'm, I'm really glad to see you're in that. Cause you should be, you should. Be. Yeah. I've got uh, being in the industry for, for 30 plus years now, I've got some pretty good friends and writers in the golf side to it. Sure. Um, and, and you know, as well, being in the industry side to it, that advertisements and, and money can, can get you, get you some stories and some, some better coverage. And for us, the, the supply side, 
excuse me, the supply side to it has been hindering from us from the beginning where, I mean, I would love to be able to say, let me expand out and let's go do a program here and a program there. But if I, you know, even we've had six tour players now approach us to play the ball and I've just respectfully declined saying that, you know, they, they want X amount of money. I got to put somebody out on tour, um, support them. And if they win and people go to the website, we don't have any golf balls. So it doesn't, right. it, it's, not a, it's not the business model we have today. Um, and maybe down the road it would be, but at this point it's not. Um, we're trying to focus on our customers and our customer base, which has grown significantly, um, and keep in touch with them and be very transparent with them and telling them what we're doing and what's coming and, what, and how things are working out. So, I mean, I think, I think that side to it is, is, a, is a big issue for us to stay in our lane, as, as people yeah. say, and not try to get too big too fast, but, uh, but just handle what we can with, with what we have today and, and make the best of it. So how many, is this like your seventh year with snow golf? Something like uh, that? Yeah, we, yeah, we started in, uh, we launched it in, uh, March of 2015. So yeah, I so guess you're, it, you're going into year seven there. Yeah. 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 This, this would be 21. This would be, uh, this would be year seven right now. You yeah, ever sit back and go, my God, why did I do this? Or this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, did in the, I did in the beginning. I, I, it's funny, Jeff, because I can remember, um, when I first started the business, I, I, I had some friends obviously help self-fund it. And uh, I remember that first container that came in. And one container holds 20,000 dozen golf balls. So this container comes in and I get a call and it's coming into Boston. And I'm, I'm like so excited. And I got a truck in front picking it up. And he's backing it up into the warehouse. I had a friend of mine let me use a third floor warehouse, which the floors were like all wavy and I was wondering if the golf balls were going to fall through right through the floor. So we had to put metal plates down on the floor so they wouldn't go through the office that I had was a friend of a good friend of mine. He, he owned a cesspool company, a portage yeah. company. So my, my daughter-in-law was the only girl that worked for me as my office manager. She, she stayed in a little, she had an office in a cesspool company, we had to walk through all the portage on trucks to get up to her <laughs> office every day. I would go over to the warehouse, which I was afraid I was going to fall through the floor. But these were all friends that said, here, here's a warehouse. Here's a little office. And, yeah. you know, just start to make it work. So when that first truck backed up, um, it was it was pretty interesting because the excitement, and they got off. And I started counting all the cases and making sure there were 20,000 dozen balls on there. You know, and, I'm, and this is going to be pretty cool. You know, and now now we're 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 getting 20, 30, 40,000 dozen balls in all the time for shipments, as many as we can. Um, we've, we've moved into our, our fourth location because we've outgrown the previous three. So now we have a nice big uh, warehouse, a nice big office area. So we're, we're fit for the growth that we're, that we've been doing. Um, and it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun, you know, it's family, it's friends and, and the same people that started working with me, I've added staff, no one's left. You know, we, I go in at five between I get up at five 30 every morning and I do all my emails here at my, at my house, at home office. Then I go in and I print all the labels up for the shipping and I go out and I pack with all, with all our employees. We bring everybody in the back. We put the music on. We all pack every order myself included until they're all done. And then they go off and they take care of their jobs in the afternoon. So, uh, so everybody's involved in it. Stories, music, fun, you know, and oh, yeah. same group of people and everybody, you know, Everybody has a good time and that's how I wanted it to be. And, and, and it's continuing to grow and we continue to add people and things have been good. 
maybe I'll come back and work for you if I can do. <laughs> I, I can always put labels on boxes and stuff. So. Yeah, well, they they found a way to. I, I buy lunch for the company on Monday, so we don't ship on Saturday and Sunday. So they, the orders build up. So Monday morning we come in and we try to go in and get everything printed before they come in, so sure. it's all for them. And then we pack, and it can go. It can go till you know two, three, four o'clock sometimes in the afternoon, depending on the orders. And n- nobody complains, but at eleven o'clock, sure enough, someone's got a paper. What are we having for lunch? And they make the order <laughs> and they have it brought in, and they don't miss. They don't miss a Monday. They're they're right there with their pad at eleven o'clock. So um, it's a good group. Good group of people, and I'm well, that's great. Truly appreciative of them. Yeah, they're good. That's, they're a good group. That's great. Have you had any? <clears throat> I know that we we talked, and there's been some ups and downs and you know uncertainty the last year and a half or so but do you have any major disappointments or major euphoric um you told us about the first time the truck came in with twenty thousand dozen golf balls you know mm-hmm. that that one i'm sure was a big moment but is there other big moments since you've started snell golf for you dean you know, I, I think having some of the agents call for the tour players to say that, you know, they, they've got it. They picked up a dozen. Somehow they got them. They didn't call us. And the guy's very interested and wants to play it on tour. Can we send more to us? Um, that's a validation of the product side to it. Sure. But I think for us, you know, being a small company like this, when when a company like My Golf Spy does a ball test and it comes out the fastest, the longest, and the best value in the test, against all the top golf balls or it goes on a head-to-head test against pro v1 you know and comes out you know the golf balls are not going to be 30 yards longer you know 25 yards longer they're going to be all the golf balls made today on tour are maxed out on speed and distance they're all going to be very close but if you can get to that same closest and you can give that feel and you can give the spin and then you can make it cost effective to let people buy more and help grow the game that's what we want to do. And yeah. when we see those results where we're not going against other direct-to-consumer businesses, we're going head-to-head with the top players, top golf balls used on tour today, and we're right there with them, um, you know, that, that's that's a pretty cool thing for the people that work for us. You know, I, I, I expect it because I've done this for 30 years, and and I know what what's allowed by the USGA and what's not. Right. So I can push that limit right to the max. So it doesn't surprise me on the performance side to it. What surprised me was how the word of mouth kind of with us doing limited stuff kind of kicked off and made it grow from what it was in the beginning. We, what I thought I'd do the first year, I did in six months. And then, and then it's grown 30, 40, you know, a 10% growth in businesses is nice. And, you know, 30 to 40% is, is every Huge. year is really good. <clears throat> and again, product constraints. So if there were more product, we would have we done more. I, I think you've done a great job. I really have. And you're to be commended. I mean, um, you were the first when I started this show uh, about a year after you started Snell Golf, you were the first manufacturer that I ever interviewed. So, uh, you know, um, my family had a retail business years ago and I worked in it for a while. And so I understood the logistics and the shipping and the you know, getting, trying to get products from certain companies. And if there was a, 
a shortage of cow hides for some reason for two weeks that affected the cowboy boot business, you know, or the hiking boot business type thing, mm-hmm. or, you know, like that. But I've, I've learned a lot from you and I, I thank you for that because yeah, of, of the, the insight you've given me because of where you worked before and the developments you worked on. And then of course, taking Snell golf golf to where it is today. Um, is there one thing you haven't, accomplished yet with snell golf that you want to i'd I'd like to see uh you know i'd like to see what this company can do with zero constraints you know so so i I, i'm really i'm real serious about the the limitation on supply that we've had um because i i believe the surface is just scratched for us and i really believe there was unlimited supply for us um with what we can offer from performance um, and, and affordability side to it to really help the game and give, you know, there's a lot of people that play golf that, that stick with two piece golf balls or, or $25, $30 golf balls because they don't want to pay 55 or $60. Um, you know, and could those 55 or $60 balls help them? So they could, it could help some, but, but they're not going to do it. So if we can try to get that performance into hands and make it affordable, um, it's, it might make the game a little better. It might make you stop the ball you know, five feet closer and maybe eliminate a three putt or, or do something as to the average golfer that can benefit their game without, you know, breaking their wallet. Um, that's been the focus of it. But my, I would love to see, you know, in two or three years to say, hey, we, our production limitation has been solved and really what can this do? And, and I, 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 think, I think you'd be surprised. I think the, the opportunity um, using the, the direct-to-consumer model with the social media um, tools that are available which which we do um they're they're pretty powerful and they work Uh, and and i think uh, i think i'd like to have that opportunity to say let's see what this let's see what we can really do oh absolutely absolutely because you know the number one thing i mean i get emails all day if i if my emails aren't about barbecue they're about golf okay (laughs) so um but a lot of the emails you get regarding golf the the lead in it is get 20 more yards yeah get you know put more spin on your wedge shots whatever there's always a lead like that and i guess the question is uh dean is how much further can we take that you know and you were and you were just talking about you know the pga and the usga and all that stuff and the rna and they've always got their fingers in things uh you know and we and we deal as faldo always says we're actually dealing with fractions when you get down to the the um the dynamics and the uh you know what do i what am i trying to say the lo- not logistics but what you can do how big a golf ball can be how big a, a shaft on a driver can be you know etc like that i don't see as we can do a tremendous amount more i think we can refine things but and like you were just saying you know maybe it stops and you can get it at the average, the average amateur that can now put it five feet from the pin and maybe get a true roll and, and stop a three putt or something. But I'm not sure that, um, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but I'm just saying, I think that we've, we've done that push as far as more distance by this driver, by these balls, you know, it is what it is in a, in a respect, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right with respect to the distance side to it. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to make golf balls go. When when I started at Titleist, 
uh, tour ball outer was <clears throat> was the golf ball. So the professional was the first ball I worked on when I was a Titleist. And that had a significant distance gain because the driver's spin rate dropped from 4,000 to 3,500 RPM. So it added pretty good distance. It then went to Pro V1. And Pro V1 went from 3,500 to 3,000. So now when you get down into that range of a two-piece spin rate, now you're kind of starting to get close to the limit as far as how far golf balls can go. The difference in golf balls for me today are not for on the tee. The difference for me are golf balls are from 150 yards and in. Mm-hmm. So a two-piece golf ball that's $20 and a tour golf ball that's $55 or $60, they're significantly different, significantly different in a performance point of view from 150 yards and in. A lot of players that play scramble tournaments twice a year for charity don't care, and they're not going to be able to see the difference and they would never play it. But you're a six, seven, eight, nine, ten handicap that are pretty good players and understand the game a little bit and understand different kind of shots. Um, you play a two-piece golf ball from 100 yards, and one time you hit it over the green and you don't know what happened, it's because the ball slid up the face, took off high with no spin, a flyer even out of the fairway, right. and you lost that control. Um, you try to hit a little knockdown 30-yard shot, one hop, and make it stop. You can't do that. It pitches high, hits, and runs to the back. So that performance from 150 yards and in are different between those golf balls and the price is different. So a $20 golf ball has no performance from 150 yards. Now, when you play golf, the only way you get better is from 150 yards and in. Right. So having consumers today say for someone to say, well, what golf balls can't do much more at the tour level where the tour players are fine tuning stuff like Faldo said, they're not going to do a lot more. They're going to tweak feel and launch and spin and maybe a little bit of distance. But the guys that are $20 that don't want to spend $60 but, but want performance that they can get, that's what we're trying to bring to them. They're going to see a big difference from that two-piece ball they play, which may help their game more. So that leap of performance is there today, which they're not, they're not doing because they don't want to pay that kind of money. Sure. Sure. Dean, man, this has been an interesting conversation with you today. And um, someday I'm going to get back to the Boston area. Um, When I did the horses, I looked forward to every two years, I would do a show in Massachusetts or New York or something. And I would always end up in Boston down on the long wharf, eating way too much, (laughs) drinking a lot more than I should have, but having a great time. So (laughs) now now I've got a reason to go back there and, 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 and visit somebody again. See, so that yeah. I, I can do that. Um, thank you for being with us. And it's been great folks. We'll be back uh, next time with uh, actually John breaker will be our next uh, after hours. And um, from he's from birdie ball, totally different deal than mm-hmm. snow golf. Uh, but it's kind of a fun thing too. So John, th- our Dean, thanks for being with us, man. Yeah, right. Thanks yeah. for having me. Appreciate it. We'll be back. Take care, everybody. <laughs>